Psalm 130 this morning. We've been looking at a type of psalms known as the penitential psalms. Those are psalms of responding to God as we realize that we have sin in our lives. We've seen several along the way the last weeks. We got a glimpse of it back in Psalm 93 weeks ago. We saw the problem of our immorality, the problem of our sinfulness, our falling short of God's standard. And we saw then that we couldn't solve that problem on our own, that we needed to run to God. But even more than that, we saw then two weeks ago in Psalm 32 that God actually invites us. He, he calls us to run to Him. And He does that because our default when we sin is to hide. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, when they first sinned, they hid behind that bush instead of running towards the Lord. We saw that God invites us to run to Him. And He loves us so much. He doesn't let us hide in our sin. He doesn't let us be enabled in our sin. But He calls us to run to Him. And He'll discipline us if we don't run to Him because He wants to bring us to a place of finding mercy and grace. And then last week, Preston showed us from Psalm 51, perhaps the best known in the penitential psalms, how everything that we have in forgiveness and grace is possible because of Christ, that we are forgiven in Christ alone, that we're restored to God in Christ alone. As I thought about what he shared last week, I've been struck by the fact that the more we understand God's forgiveness, the more it's going to change us, the more it's going to transform us. So in light of all the truths we've seen about forgiveness the last several weeks, have two questions for you before we jump into this, this text this morning. The first one is, do you know for sure that God has forgiven your sins? Do you have absolute certainty that God has forgiven you of your sins, that you're a child of God, that everything we've seen offered to us, this invitation to run to God and have mercy for our sins and have grace upon grace given to us, are you a child of God? And if so, my second question for you is this, what are these truths about forgiveness doing in your heart? If you are a child of God who knows that you're forgiven, what are these truths doing in your, in your heart? When you hear God calling you to run to Him, when you think about God offering you forgiveness and grace and peace, you think about God offering you grace upon grace upon grace, when you think about Christ sacrificing Himself for the forgiveness of your sins, when you think about forgiveness, what does it do in your heart? Friends, we come to the last penitential psalm today and. There's others besides what we're going to look at in this study. But the reason we're ending on 130 with the penitential psalms is because it summarizes all that we've seen. And at least for me, Psalm 130 makes me pause and think about how does God's forgiveness change my heart and change your heart as well. It's so easy to think of these concepts of grace and forgiveness and God's mercy. And we hear it week after week and we can become really cold to it if we're not careful. And Psalm 130 calls us to consider the, the truth of God's forgiveness and how it impacts our life. So before we even read Psalm 130 this morning, I have our main idea for us. And our main idea is actually a question this morning that I want us to wrestle with in light of all this. And it's simply this this morning. Are we amazed at God's forgiveness of our sins? Are we amazed at God's forgiveness of our sins? Because everything else is describing that we saw in Psalm 90 and Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 and we'll see today are not just hypothetical situations. They're not just hypothetical truths or just theological constructs. These are truths from God that should be very personal to us. They should be very real. They should transform our hearts. It should be part of our experience. Friends, if you and I are in Christ, if we are forgiven by God, that should lead us not to a place of taking that for granted, but a place of absolute stunning amazement. That the holy, righteous God who spoke a billion trillion stars into existence, who created us, who gave us a standard to live to, but whom we've fallen short, would call us, when he sees us in sin, not to condemn us, but would call us to run to him to find mercy and to find grace. When we think about that, friends, that should lead us to a place of absolute amazement and wonder. And yet it's so easy. 
for us to lose the wonder and the amazement at what God is offering to us. Are we amazed today at God's forgiveness of our sins? So you ponder that, I want to come to Psalm number 130. So I'm going to ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Psalm number 130. I'm reading out the English Standard Version. The words will also be on the screen. A song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you've shown yourself to us in your word. And Lord, I'm thankful this morning for Psalm 130 and just to see your character on display once again. God, that you would look upon wretched, depraved, undeserving rebels like us and offer us forgiveness. Lord, I pray this morning that you would increase our amazement that with you there is steadfast love, that you would increase our amazement that with you there is plentiful redemption. And God, that you've offered to us in Christ the forgiveness of all the many iniquities we each have in our own life. But I pray this morning that your word would transform our hearts, that you would increase the wonder and amazement of a truth perhaps we've known since childhood or perhaps is new for some here. God, we wouldn't grow cold to this amazing truth God, that you have forgiven us of all of our sins in Christ. Would you increase our wonder today as we look at your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So Psalm 130, you notice at the very top of that very first verse, it says it's a psalm, a song of ascents. Now, what does that mean? Well, we're not 100% sure, but like we said about most of these titles of the psalms, right? But the song of ascents, what the scholars think this is all about is in the time of the Jewish festivals in the Old Testament, when the pilgrims would come to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, they would have to ascend, they'd have to go up to Jerusalem, have to go up towards the temple, and what the scholars believe are these songs of ascent were songs that the pilgrims would sing as they were marching up towards the temple to get their hearts ready for worship. They were songs put together, almost like a little hymn book, that they could sing to the Lord to get their hearts ready for worship. And friends, that's my prayer for myself and for us as we look at a song of ascent this morning, as they would grow us in our worship of God. As we think about God's forgiveness and the amazing truth that, that it would be used like it was of the early pilgrims going to the temple that it would lead to us to a greater place of worship in the Lord. So let's look at Psalm 130. Are we amazed at God's forgiveness of our sins? We may be thinking, I, Grady, I don't see that question in there. No, that question is not in here. What you have in Psalm 130 is somebody's journey of going from guilt about their sin to forgiveness to hope. It's a journey, it's a personal story, if you will, of going from guilt to forgiveness to hope. But as this psalmist, and we don't know who wrote this psalm, but whoever it is, as he wrote this, it gives us an account of God's forgiveness and what he does. And it gives us some things to reflect on in our own life to help us think, am I still amazed at God's forgiveness? In Psalm 130, I see four distinct things about how forgiveness should change us. I want to pose these to you as four questions this morning. Because if someone asks me, are you amazed by something? Well, I don't know, I guess so. I mean, what, how do you really quantify that? But these four aspects of forgiveness in this one guy's journey, I think will help us ask four questions to help us reflect, am I really amazed? by God's forgiveness. So I hope you'll think about these and ponder these, not just today, but in the week to come. First question to help us reflect if we're amazed by God's forgiveness is simply this. Are we asking God for mercy every day? Are we asking God for mercy 
every day. Friends, if we're amazed by God's forgiveness, it'll be something that we'll be longing for and thinking about, and we will have as our daily experience asking God for new mercies each and every day. That's, in fact, what the author of this psalm does. He models for us going to God for new mercies each day. Look at verses 1 through 3 here at the beginning of this psalm to see this idea of asking God for mercy. Look at what he says in verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Basically what you have in these first three verses is the author of the psalm realizing how dreadfully sinful he is. He's coming face to face with the sin of his own heart. And that's God's grace, friends. When you and I come under conviction of sin and realize that we're far from God's plan for what we're supposed to be, that's God's grace showing that to us. And look at how he describes it. Look back at the very first verse at verse 1. He says, Out of the depths... Now, remember, this is poetry. This is the Psalms. You and I probably don't talk this way on a normal basis. We say, I'm in the depths. Depths is an image of the time for danger, for disaster, for turmoil. He's saying, my soul is in turmoil. I'm in danger. I'm sinking. And what's the problem he's facing? Well, in the Psalms, you see lots of problems. But here, it's a very specific problem he's facing. And his problem is himself. His problem is his own sin nature. Friends, it's so easy to look out and try to blame everything else for our struggles. It's the culture tempting me. It's the enemy tempting me. And we can look for everything else. The problem, friends, is right here. It's my heart and your heart. Because my heart and your heart is evil. It's simple. And it wants what the culture is luring us with. It wants what the enemy is throwing at us. And the psalmist understands that. That he's in the depths because of his own sin. Because of his own heart. So the problem is himself. Go down at verse 3 when he helps us see that. He says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? He sees the sin, the iniquity of his own heart. And in the depth of his own sin, he feels like he's drowning. He feels like he's far from God. Why? Well, Preston helped us see that last week in Psalm 51. When we sin, friends, I love the way Preston described it in terms of spiritual adultery. When we sin, we're saying we love something else more than the one who's redeemed us. We're loving, we're longing for something We know what God says. We're saying, God, I really don't care because I want that more than I want you. I want my way more than I want your way. And so sin is spiritual adultery. It breaks that intimate fellowship with the Lord that we were made to have. And the psalmist here understands that he's drowning in the guilt of whatever he did. And we don't know what he did here. It doesn't tell us, but that's not the point. Because we all have sin in our lives. And so we all are in the depths of despair in this. And he says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities. If you should count it against me, O Lord, who could stand? The idea, imagery of judgment. He's saying, God, if you held, held against me all of my sins, I am hopeless. I would, be, I would follow the judgment. I would be guilty. There is nothing that I could do. And so, friends, notice something here. When the psalmist realizes that, when the psalmist realizes the depth of his sin, when he realizes how he's offended God, when he realizes how far his heart is from God, what does he do? He doesn't just sit in his sin and guilt and, and just dwell in there. He doesn't sit by thinking, I just need time to, to dwell on this and think about this. I'll get it right one day. He doesn't sit in it. But he also doesn't try harder. There's nothing in this about him striving harder. I'm not going to let this conquer me again. I'm going I'm to pull myself out of this. I'm going to do this. He doesn't do that. What does he do? Go back to verse 1. When he realizes his hopelessness, he says, out of the depths I cry to you. He realizes that there's only one person who can help him, and that's the Lord. And ironically, or interestingly, the one who can help him is the one who he's offended the one who he's sinned against. And so he runs the one he sinned against, but the one who's ready to give mercy. And he boldly cries out, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. You notice the Lord is in capital there. That's Yahweh. He's using the covenant name of God. He's saying, I'm crying out to you, Yahweh, the covenant, the faithful God. I'm going to come to you because you're faithful. And notice what his cry is. That's verse number two here. 
We can read this in light of a cry. This is it's easy to read scripture and think of it real passively. This is not this guy sitting there going, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attended to my pleas. Like, he's crying to God, okay? This is him crying. And he records for us in verse 2 what is Christ. And he's shouting to God, Oh, Lord, hear my voice. Oh, Lord, let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. As he cries out to Yahweh, interestingly, he begins his cry with using a different name for God. Notice the Lord is not, cap- is not all capital here. He switches the word Adonai. Master, boss, sovereign one. He says, so I'm going to cry, Yahweh, the covenant faithful keeping God, I'm going to cry to you, my master, my boss. I've offended you, master. I've not lived up to your standards being my master. And so I'm going to come to you now pleading for mercy. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. He's asking for forgiveness. Friends, this is incredible. When we sin, and I sin every day and you sin every day, when we sin every day, we have an invitation from Yahweh, the, the Almighty God, the faithful God, from Adonai, the Master, the Sovereign One, the Lord, and He invites us to run to Him. And that's exactly what the author of this psalm does. When he realizes he's in the depths of his sin and he's hopeless on his own, he runs to God in prayer, crying out to God for mercy and for forgiveness. And friends, God grants it when we ask. And friends, are we each day eagerly running to Him? For forgiveness. If we're amazed by his forgiveness, we will be glad to day by day run to God for forgiveness and for new mercies each and every day. But he doesn't stop there. Because there's a second thing I want you to see that happens when he is amazed by forgiveness that we need to think about as well. Because I think so often it's easy to go, great, I ran to God, I confessed my sin, he forgave me, now back to my life, back to my business. But notice he doesn't stop there. Forgiveness doesn't just end with forgiveness here. He's so amazed he can't help but worship God in response. So my second question for us to help us think, are we amazed by God's forgiveness is this. Are we worshiping God in response each day? Are we worshiping God in response each day? Not just am I running to God, God, I messed up again, please forgive me, now back to my life. But are we running to God in the depths of our sin, saying, God, forgive me, knowing that he's faithful, he's Yahweh, he will. But then in response to that, are we worshiping him in response? Go down to verse 4 here. He says, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Friends, this word that is really important. It's easy to skip over. In the Hebrew, it's an aversative conjunction, meaning it's showing you the reason for something happening here. You could literally translate it in order that. So you read verse 4. With you there is forgiveness. In order that, there's a bigger picture of why there's forgiveness, that you may be feared. So we've seen in the Psalms, fear doesn't mean trembling. Oh God, don't strike me. Fear means reverence, respect, all worship. God, forgiveness, and don't miss this. Forgiveness is not primarily about us, friends. It's so easy to think about forgiveness about me and fixing my problem. That's not the main thing that's going on here. God forgives us, yes, because he loves us, but he forgives us because something much bigger is happening. He's forgiving us so that he is glorified. He's forgiving us so that his mercy, his glory is seen. He's forgiving us so that we can be in relationship with him and worship him in Response, Friends, the test of whether or not we really are in awe of the forgiveness God gives us is not just, great, I'm forgiven, I know it. But it's leading to a place of deeper worship of God. Can I remind us of something? Worship is singing, but worship is more than singing. In our culture, we often equate worship and singing. We talk about worship in terms of what we sing, and it is that. But worship is so much more. Just see Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It's just a reminder of this truth. Paul there says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual what? 
It's your spiritual worship. He didn't say anything in here about singing. Yes, singing is worship, but anything that is, that, is, that is doing it unto God to glorify God is worship. Friends, when we study the Bible, we're worshiping. When we pray, we are worshiping. When we, by God's grace, resist temptation, we are worshiping. When we talk to other believers to encourage them in their faith, we're worshiping. When we share God's grace with others who need to hear it, we are worshiping. And he's telling us back in Psalm 130 that he has forgiven us so that he might be feared, that he might be worshipped with our whole lives. Friends, we are forgiven not as an end in itself. We're forgiven so that we can know God. We're forgiven so we can be in relationship with God. We're forgiven so that we can worship him and glorify him with our whole lives. So back to our opening question. Are we amazed that God forgives us every day? Two tests so far. One, are we experiencing that every day? Are we asking him for mercy every day? Number two, are we responding in worship? Number three. The number third question is closely related to that. And that is, are we longing to hear from God each day? And it's almost hard to separate those two. The third question, are we longing to hear from God each day? If I'm forgiven by God, there should be a growing sense of longing to hear from God. There's a progression that's happening in Psalm 130. I hope you saw that as we read it. It began with the psalmist realizing his sin. He then cries for mercy. God forgives. He worships God in response. But then one expression of that worship of God as he longs to hear from God. Notice how he describes it in verses 5 and 6. And I love the way in the poetry he describes this. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchman for the morning. More than watchman for the morning. Now, he repeats himself a lot. Do you ever repeat yourself when you're excited about something? If you're at a football stadium and your football team has just won an amazing victory in the last minute of the game, you're probably not going to look to the people around you and be like, that was good, bye, and walk away. You're going to be over and over, that was so cool, did you see it? I can't believe And over and over, you're going to be expressing this amazement you have. If you're like me, like roller coasters, you get off the roller coaster, people are like, that was a great 400-foot hill, goodbye. Like, it's like, they're repeating, that was so cool, that was amazing, and they keep using word after word. When you're amazed by something, you can't contain it, and you repeat yourself. That's what he's doing right here. He's repeating himself in amazement at what God has done and what he's longing for God to still do. Look at the beginning of verse 5. He says, I wait for the Lord. Waiting is a longing for something more still to come. It's longing for something else. He's waiting because there's more. Yes, he's talked to God and said, God, I confess my sin. You've forgiven me. But there's more that he wants. There's a sense of amazement as he's worshiping God and he wants more of something. What's he wanting more of? He wants more of God's presence. He says, I wait for the Lord. Then he repeats it again, building on it. Not just I wait, but my soul waits. He's saying the very depths of who I am, my soul, my inner man, the core of who I am is longing for more of God. In fact, he says his longing is so great. Look at verse 6. He says, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. Why in the world does he repeat it twice? Because he's excited. Because he really has a stirring in his heart for more of God. Friends, watchmen guarded a city at night. Watchmen were the ones when most people were asleep. Their job was to keep the city safe so everyone else could sleep peacefully. And it was not a fun job. At the time, they didn't have LED lights brighting up the whole campus like we would have around here to keep you safe at night. There weren't LED floodlights everywhere all over the town at night. It was dark. Dangers were lurking behind every corner. And so the watchmen, even though they did their jobs well, longed for the morning. Yes, because they got to leave their shift and go to bed. But even more than that, watchmen long for the morning because the light would come and everything that's been so fearful at night gets dissolved in the brightness 
of day. And he's looking to the greatest longing he can think of, because he didn't have football games to get excited about, he didn't have roller coasters to get excited about. He thinks of the longing of watchmen on a wall waiting for the morning and says, God, my heart's ache for you is much greater than even that longing right there. And friends, this longing is so real to him, it leads to something very practically happening in his life. Go back to verse 5 here. It says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. Now, wait and hope are used as synonyms here in the Hebrew. So you could almost read it like this. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I wait. Or I hope for the Lord, my soul hopes, and in his word I hope. Whereas this longing to hear from God is seen in a longing for the word of God in his life. And don't miss that. This is not just some theoretical idea of he wants to know more of God. He's saying, I want to know more of you, God. Therefore, I want to know more of your word to me. For this is what we've already seen in the Psalms early in the study. We look at Psalm 19 and Psalm 119, that the realization that the written word of God is the voice of God. The realization that we have this and God stirs our desire for it. So friends, if we really understand we're forgiven by God, we really understand we're forgiven by God so that we might worship God, the response to that to us should be like the guy here, an increased desire to hear from the one who forgives us. There's an increased desire for his word. So friends, I want to ask, are we longing to hear from God each day? Are we taking time in the midst of all of the distractions and noise of life to open up God's word with a longing, with our souls hoping to hear his word more than watchmen for the morning? So friends, are we amazed at God's forgiveness of our sins? If so, I think it shows that we day by day ask for mercy. Are we amazed by his forgiveness of our sins? I think it will also show that we don't just stop with saying I'm forgiven, but it leads to worship of God. And I think it also shows itself, amazing shows itself, and that we, with eagerness like this, wait for the Lord, opening God's word, wanting to hear from him. But there's one more question I think this, this guy's journey shows us to help us evaluate, am I amazed at God's forgiveness? And it's simply this, are we pointing other people to God? Are we pointing other people to God? Preston talked about this last week. It's not something new, but we see it again here in Psalm 130. Are we pointing other people to God? Friends, there's an incredible progression. I already mentioned this psalm. I want you to see it all, because he realizes his sin. He confesses it to God. He cries for mercy. God forgives him. He receives forgiveness. He worships God in response. But that worship stirs up even the desire for even more of God, so he longs to hear the word of God. And now it's so overwhelmed that he wants others to know as well. Look at verses 7 and 8, the last two verses. And just again, notice the progression building from his guilt, to his forgiveness, to his hope now, to sharing it with others. Verse 7. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Friends, this guy is so amazed at God's forgiveness in his life. It's so led him to a place of joy and worship of God and a longing to hear from God. He can't contain himself. He shouts out to those listening, Listen up, friends. You can hope in the Lord also. Listen up, friends. You can experience God's forgiveness, his steadfast love, his redemption, just as I have. He's saying, if you will run to God just like I did, he will forgive you as well. I want you to know something here, friends. Did he have to be guilted or coerced into talking about God with others? It was just an overflow. He didn't have to go to his church's discipleship class to get qualified to talk to about God to others. He didn't have to go read a book on how to be winsome and influence people to talk to God about others. He had simply experienced the forgiveness and the grace of God. He was so overwhelmed it just came out. He couldn't help himself in that. Friends, do we have a longing to tell others the goodness of God that we have experienced? Yeah, I once heard it described this way. I don't even know who to attribute it to. But I read it somewhere a long time ago. But imagine we're in a place of famine. 
There's a bad drought and a famine. There's no food left. And as you're scourging through the woods looking for something, you find an abandoned barn that no one owns anymore, but it's packed full of grains that are still good. You would have such joy in the midst of your hunger to know there's food right there. But you're so overwhelmed with the joy. Not necessarily you can be fed, but there's plentiful food there. You're not just going to sit on it and keep it a secret. In your joy, you're going to go find others who you love, and you're going to share that with them so they can have hope as well. Friends, how much more so if we've experienced having the guilt of our sin removed, we've been pulled out of the depths by the Lord, we've had our sins forgiven, that we have the presence of God in our life, that we can hope in the Lord and that he speaks to us, how much more so shouldn't that overflow to others, to other believers, to encourage them in their walk with the Lord, to remind them of the goodness of God and the forgiveness of God, how much more should overflow to non-believers in our lives to help them see the hope there is that God can be known, that their sins can be forgiven. So, friends, back to the opening question. Are we amazed at God's forgiveness of our sins? I think there's four tests for us from this guy's own journey. If we're amazed by God's forgiveness, we find ourselves day by day running to him for more forgiveness. Number two, we find ourselves growing in our worship of God. Because we know forgiveness is not an end in itself. It's about knowing God and worshiping him. Number three, it shows itself in an eagerness to know more of the God who forgives us as we meet with him in his word. Number four, it's expressed seen in the fact that we can't help but tell others of the goodness that we have found. Friends, are we amazed that a holy God has forgiven us? Friends, I want to be clear about this. These questions aren't designed to create guilt in us. I am not where I want to be in these four things, and I assume you probably aren't either. I know very few people who would say, yes, I'm very content with the amount of confession I have. I'm, I'm where I need to be in worshiping God. I've got it figured out in meeting with God in his word every day. I'm, I share Christ sufficiently with others. None of us are where we need to be in this, friends. These questions aren't designed to create guilt. This whole psalm is about getting out of guilt. Out of the depths I cry to you and God you answer. This whole psalm is about God and his grace drawing us closer to himself. So these questions aren't designed to give us guilt. These questions are designed to help us realize our need for the Lord. Because I can't manufacture in my heart a greater desire to confess my sins to God. I can't manufacture in my heart a greater desire to worship God. I can't manufacture in my heart an eagerness to meet with God and His Word. That comes as the Holy Spirit works within us. Friends, we saw in the book of Ephesians, that there's a command there in Ephesians 5 to be filled with the Spirit. And friends, what this is a reminder to us is how much we need the Holy Spirit within us. Because the Holy Spirit pricks our heart. He convicts us of sin. He stirs our affections. He grows our longings for the things of God. And so, friends, if you're like me, where you're not where you want to be on those things, don't hear these questions as guilt. Hear these questions as an invitation from the Lord that he wants to take you further in your walk with him than perhaps you are now. He wants you to run to him when you sin. He wants you to sing of his greatness and to worship him with your whole life. He longs for you to have eagerness to hear him because he speaks to you as his Holy Spirit opens up your word and he wants to work through you as a mouthpiece where he makes his glory known to others. So friends, if you're not where you want to be, my challenge for you is simply this. Do what the guy in Psalm 130 did. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits in his word. I hope. So friends, I ask this week, you do one thing. Would you today pray and say, God, would you give me grace upon grace this week that I would long for more of you? 
And ask God to give you his Holy Spirit to fill you, to stir your heart so that when you see sin, you're quick to run to God about it. When you run to God about it, that you'll be quick to worship him about it. That when you worship him, you'll be quick to want to also take time to hear from him. And when you amaze at all this, you can't help but talk about it to others. Friends, we can't manufacture that, but God can. So would you this week simply ask God for grace upon grace to stir your heart affections for these things, that he might get all the glory and you might get all the joy. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for your word. God, we're thankful that you do not leave us in the depths of our sin. But there's so much hope to think about in this text that someone much like us was struggling with his sin. He felt like he was drowning in it. And Lord, I don't know what each brother or sister here is struggling with today, but God, you do. So Lord, whether it's the depths of anger, whether it's the depths of sexual sin, whether it's the depths of depression, whether it's the depths of of bitterness, Lord, I don't know what it is, but God, you know what the struggles are in each one of our lives. Lord, whatever it is, I pray today that each of these brothers and sisters would experience your grace bringing them out of the depths. Lord, if there's people here who've been hiding in their sin, and like we saw a few weeks ago, hiding behind the bushes, not wanting to tackle the sin, would you give them grace upon grace today, Lord, to quit hiding but to run to you, knowing that you, the creator, the sovereign one, are standing with open arms, calling them to run back to you and find mercy and forgiveness. Would you free them as well from any sense of self-dependency? God, may none of us here just try white-knuckle determination to get back to you. I simply hear your voice calling us and respond. Lord, I pray this week for myself and each of these precious brothers and sisters, as we think about your forgiveness of our sins, that you looked upon undeserving sinners like us and have forgiven us. God, may it lead to a greater place of worship of you. Lord, would you forgive us for treating forgiveness in such a casual way? How would you forgive us for the many times we've run to you, confessed our sins, received forgiveness, and run right back to our lives the way we want to, without pausing to worship, without pausing to seek to hear from you more? And I pray this week, Lord, for myself and each of these precious brothers and sisters, as we cry to you, I pray our experience would be that of the psalmist here that we wait for you, O Lord. Our soul waits, and in your word we hope. Our soul will wait for you, Lord. Give us grace to wait for you this week. And I pray as we do that, you'll meet with us and transform each one of us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song this morning?